One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sarah and I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-host of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. Today is National Bosses Day. And so, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the best bosses we've ever had. We're going to talk about what it's like to be our own bosses. We're going to talk about what we think it means to be a good boss. So happy National Bosses Day, everybody. I was thinking about this conversation, Sarah, and how my most salient career experience has all been in the context of a law firm where it kind of feels like everybody's your boss and no one is your (laughs) boss at the same time. (laughs) Because when you're an associate, you know, most of the... Legal assistants and paralegals have been there longer than you have, so they sort of feel like bosses, even though they aren't. All of the partners both are your boss and also don't feel responsible for being your boss. So it's an interesting dynamic. So who was your favorite boss of all the people who were basically sort of like your bosses? I have three favorites. Is that allowed? Sure. Okay. So I will start with the first partner who really sort of took responsibility for me as a boss. His name is Tim. Uh, He's one of our executive producers on Pantsuit Politics now. And he really taught me about federal bankruptcy law and spent a ton of time with me in the bankruptcy code explaining how things work. He worked on my writing all of the time. Anytime he changed something I did, we had a conversation about why he had changed it. I just felt like his communication and the way he took responsibility for my learning were exceptional in that environment. And if I was a good lawyer at any point in my career, and I think I was, it is absolutely because of Tim. So that's my first one. My second is um, Ed Diller, who was the partner in charge of the office that I worked in when I changed from being a lawyer to being an HR person. And he really believed in me. He listened to me, even though he disagreed with me a lot, I think. I felt like we had a really good communication style and back and forth. He supported me when I made decisions that were very tough decisions. I never felt like he was going to throw me under the bus over anything. And was also just a really good mentor on, he talks a lot about how you should be building a life, not building a career. And I always got the sense from Ed that if I was working in a way that didn't bring me joy, I was missing. And that is not a message that's regularly enforced in law firms. So that was a big deal. And then my third favorite um, is James, who took over that partner in charge position after Ed. And we just had a really wonderful working relationship and friendship. He's still one of my favorite people and, and closest friends. And so yeah, I think the theme with all of these people is just communication and a willingness to talk about work in the context of a greater purpose, not just that work is the be all and end all of what we're doing. 
I really like how you said the first boss walked you through any changes he made. Like if he made changes, you had a conversation about it. I think that's really good. Yes. And that's something that doesn't happen very often in a lot of workplaces because it takes time. And time is something that lawyers in particular are short on, although I think that's true in many environments. And that care of I want you to take enough pride in your work that you care if I changed it came across. And I also want you to understand and learn from anything that I decided needed to be different. What about you? Who are your favorite bosses? I know that you don't love having a boss. You're always very clear about that. So I'm excited to hear about the bosses that you loved. Yes. So this is funny because to do a whole show on bosses when not only do I not like having bosses, but I have also spent shockingly little time in a nine to five job with a traditional boss structure. We're talking, I'm 38. I've probably spent mm, 16 months in a traditional nine to five job total over my whole life. And I have a lot of insecurity about that. In fact, it really wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that my husband looked at me and said, you don't like having a boss. That's okay. That I stopped thinking about it as a character flaw for a long time. I really carried that. It's like, there's something wrong with me. I don't, I don't work well with others when really that's not true. I mean, the bosses that I have had are fantastic people, fantastic bosses. It really was not my personal experiences during those 18 months that led me to a place where I was like, yeah, I gotta be my own boss. This doesn't work for me. Partially, I think it's genetic. When I look at my own family, like my, particularly my mother's side and even my father's side to a certain extent, my uncles are snap on dealers. They are their own bosses. My mother was a librarian. Fun fact, the librarian really answers to nobody in the building. My (laughs) aunt's an interior designer and real estate agent. Now my stepdad's a real estate agent. Like I just didn't see people growing up in that sort of structure where they had like a went to job, you went to a nine to five job, you had a boss. Like I just didn't see that in my life growing up. I think that's part of it. But the bosses I did have, the two in particular who are still just people I completely and totally adore. When I graduated from college, I lived in, um, I was a child bride. So I got married two months after I graduated from college to my beloved husband, Nicholas. And we lived in Durham, North Carolina when he finished law school at Duke. And I had got a fantastic job running the emergency contraception hotline for the Planned Parenthood of Central North Carolina. And my boss was this chief operating officer, Karen Bly. And she is just the most wonderful lady. I mean, y'all, we had weekly lunches where she would check in on me. How are we doing? She would bring me gifts from Aveda, like to the lunches. Here's your here's your little present this week. You're doing a great job. Do you have any questions or concerns? Is there any, like just, it was like counseling. <laughs> she was fantastic. And we had like a big accreditation process we were going through, which could have been like really stressful, but she was so supportive and just, I really cannot say enough about what it fantastic, like first work experience. If we had not moved to DC, I would have stayed in the Planned Parenthood in that sort of traditional nine to five job, probably for several, several, several years. I loved the people I worked with. I loved her and our CEO, Janet was amazing. I'm still really good friends with many of the people I worked for there and it was only a couple months. So Karen was an amazing boss. Um, Then I went to law school. I did some short internships in the summer. And then when I graduated, I worked at as everybody knows, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, which wasn't really a traditional nine to five. It was way more loosey goosey than that. And I saw some bad bosses. I'm not trying to lie. Um, Then I worked at the United States Senate and for Senator Menendez, who was technically my boss. And I have a lot of 
great amount of respect for him. When we, when I first interviewed, he was like, okay, so at the end of the day, my name is the one on the door. And so I'll be making the final calls. You might not, you know, think I'm prioritizing the right thing or whatever, but this is my office and we just all have to get on board with that. But he did it in a very respectful way. But my boss there was Hal Connolly, who just is an amazing individual, still a very close friend of mine. I think saw things in me that I had not seen in myself, was very supportive, but demanding like in a really good, healthy way. I learned so much from him about environmental policy and energy policy and transportation legislation and just felt really supported and like there was room for me to grow and that, you know, how wanted that for me and still wants for that for me is still supportive, wrote me checks when I ran for office, lets me stay at his house when I'm in DC. Just the best bosses, I think, turn into good friends when you leave the job. And that's definitely the case with how. So I love both of those bosses so much, so, so much. Okay. I want to go back to the Aveda. Right? Gifts. She brought me gifts to the lunches. Do you think that that was just her general style or did she understand that gifts are part of your love language? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask Karen that. Like, I, I don't remember her gifting other people a lot, but, oh, yeah, I don't know. I think she's just truly generous of spirit. And I think she, we just really connected, but no, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I think maybe, maybe a little bit of both. Like, I think she's generous, but did she dial it up? Cause she saw that was what I really responded to perhaps, perhaps, especially cause I was a newlywed at the time. So I would not list presence as my love language anymore. Cause my husband has just slowly, I really shouldn't say beat it out of me during domestic violence awareness month, but, um, just like worked on me and influenced me. And so now I'm like, whatever presence could take a more late month. But at the time, I mean, we were newly married and my stepfather's love language is definitely present. So that was like my number one love language. So maybe she saw that I was suffering with my cheap new husband who would never bring me presents. I don't know. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. I'm always looking for ways to entertain my child that are also educational. Mel Science Chemistry Kits take a hands-on approach that makes learning fun. Mel Science is a chemistry subscription service that sends you monthly experiments to do with your child. They're a great way to engage kids in science early, educate in a joyful manner, and get kids to conduct real scientific experiments with their own hands. On the first month in your first box, every subscriber receives a free starter kit with all the necessary equipment to use during the whole subscription, including a free virtual reality headset to use with the free VR lessons every subscriber gets access to. With over 30 chemistry topics, it's a great alternative to school labs and great for homeschooling. Some experiments you'll do with your Mel Science subscription include assembling a functioning battery, growing crystals, learning the basics of electricity, and launching a mini rocket. Plus, there's free shipping within the U.S. Ready to get started? It's easy. Get 25% off plus a free starter kit, a free virtual reality headset, and free shipping when you text LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 64000. Text LIFE to 64000 to get this special offer from Mel Science. And remember, you support the show when you support our sponsors. So text L-I-F-E to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. Sarah, you 
mentioned that you've spent most of your life being your own boss. And now that I am my own boss, too, I realize how vastly different that experience is from having someone who is actually assigned to be a supervisor to you. Do you like it? I do like it. I think it has its own challenges. And I do think it creates a vacuum of needs that have to get filled in some other way. But I do really love it. I think in part because I got a lot of latitude from my bosses. I don't think that I was micromanaged often. Certainly, I worked for people who made decisions I disagreed with and I had to get on board with those. But I feel like that's just part of being an adult. I really love, though, now being able to not only reach conclusions that I want and either succeed or learn something from those conclusions, I also just love that my process can be whatever I want. You know, that I can wake up and have a plan for the day and think to myself, that plan doesn't really suit me today. I'm not going to be able to do my best work under that plan. So I'm going to change it and and work on something different than I thought I would or whatever. We're going to be working for most of the next weekends. And so I woke up this morning and thought, I really need to clean my house. And what is being your own boss if not realizing you're working all weekend, clean your house on Tuesday morning? Yeah, I can't. I like physically cannot follow a process or do a project or a task that doesn't make sense to me, especially if I see it as like redundant or just busy work or like nothing bothered me more than, you know, especially like when I worked in the Senate, we would all just, you know, hang around and stare at each other from 445 to five o'clock. We didn't have anything else to do, but we couldn't leave till five. And it just seemed so stupid to me. And I think honestly, all of work is moving to this, especially knowledge work. Like if you don't have anything else to do, why are you here? You know, so that part, like just personality wise, really bothered me. Like I, you know, when I first went to the Senate, the person before me was like, here's letters. We just kind of stick them over here. And I was aghast. I was like, no, that's our job. And like, I was like, little Susie whistleblower, like we need a better process for dealing with legislative correspondence because I just couldn't, I could not just, I I don't have a lot of, and I know this will come as a surprise, go along to get along in me. Um, and so the idea that like, if I'm doing it a certain way and I don't think that's working, that I can just do it a different way is, oh, it makes me so happy. It just makes me so happy. Now it does come with challenges. Like yesterday I was sick. And so, yeah, I could decide, okay, I'm sick. Now, luckily, I have a partner. Partner is better than boss. Let me announce this to the world. Partnerships are the the shit. That's the way to do it, <laughs> in my personal opinion. Because um, you're not by yourself, but you're not being bossed. Like it's, now, it's complicated sometimes, but I find it way better. Anyway, and so like I could say, okay, I can't do the news brief. I did have to record a show that is arguably not my best work because I was really tired and out of it. But then I could sleep the rest of the day. You know, I didn't have to ask anybody. I didn't have to do the doctor's excuse. So it's like, you know, there's, it's this weird mix of there is always work to do, but you, like, there is a part of me that thinks, man, it would be nice to come home and be done with work. Like I try to do that. I try to do that as much as I can with the, with the podcast, but especially because of pantsuit politics subject matter, that's harder than other times. But you know, there are some days where you're like, man, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to come home and like literally be done or go on vacation and not have to spend twice the effort to set up the vacation time, but just to be done. 
But also, it's nice that I can go on vacation and do my job from anywhere. I don't know. It's tough. It's a trade-off for sure. And there are a lot of jobs with bosses where you don't get to be on vacation and don't get to be done. And the boss creates that pressure. So, you know, it just kind of depends. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'll tell you, as a person who has a ton of go along to get along in me, I think that was a struggle with being in an environment where I was supervised too, because I found myself just doing that. And then all of my sort of what is the point of this would build up into these crisis moments. Whereas with being my own boss and the work that we do together now, I find myself constantly thinking, okay, wait, what's the point? What is the Mm -hmm. mission of this? What is the goal? What are we really trying to get to? This doesn't fit that. Okay, then let's ditch it and move on. And I can every day kind of sort through that why instead of letting the why go unspoken for so long and then building up into everything is pointless. I'm collapsed on my bathroom floor thinking that I've wasted my life. Not that that's everyone's experience in the workplace, (laughs) but that did happen for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We don't want that. We definitely don't want that. You know, it's really shocking to me. We talked about this on the bonus episode with the, the Pew Research about success, that setting your own hours was so low for individuals as to like what was important to them to success. I was shocked by how low that is, because to me, that's the best part about being your own boss is setting your own schedule. And I'm really surprised that that was not higher on everybody's list. And maybe people think about that in different ways, too, because if you're setting your own hours, but they still have to be eight hours a day or 40 hours a week, I can see where that's not that big of a deal to people. I think for us, what we value so much is being able to say, when can I do my best work and how much time is required to get my best work done, but not to have any of that. I'm just trying to clock to 40 kind of situation going on. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I just, you know, being able to, like you said, prioritize, because I think one of the biggest problems with bosses, especially inside that 40 hour a week foundation is it's so much of it is performative. And, you know, it's, it's so rare that the boss doesn't have a boss. And, you know, it puts people in this situation where you can't adapt to life because there's so much, I mean, how much of life stays the same and fits this sort of 40 hour work week scenario, you know, depending on, are you ill as a family member ill? Do you have little kids? Like it's just all, it shifts and change. I know my life shifts and change so much week to week, month to month, much less year to year that being able to adapt to those changes, I think is a huge part of why I like to be my own boss. When I zoom out and think about how different 2019 has been from 2018, just in terms of my children and what they need from me, I am so relieved to have the flexibility to shift things around to meet those needs. And it is hard for me to imagine now being back in a scenario. I think about this all the time, especially when Chad is traveling and I'm here by myself. Like, how did I do this when I was when I had a commute and when I had people waiting on me for different things? Like, it's very different. So let's talk about maybe some of the challenges of being your own boss, too. 
The biggest thing that I notice is that when you're your own boss, there is no triangulation whatsoever. And I think that's healthy in so many ways. You just have to address stuff as it comes up, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't feel like working on it right now, even when you wish it could go away. It's your thing to do. And it also makes me realize that sometimes triangulation is really helpful, like being able to talk to a third party about how something is going. So if you and I have an issue with a vendor for example, there's no one for us to escalate that to. Like, we don't want to have right. that conversation. So let's take it up the chain and have somebody else make the call. And and there isn't anyone for us to say, hey, let, let me have this person call you back and they'll carry more weight than I carry with you or whatever. It's just, oh, it's just us. Yeah, Here we are. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, my personality is I don't like to wait on other people anyway. So it, I got myself in trouble in a couple of workplaces because I didn't follow what is a very good instinct there, which is let me take this up the ladder. But no, you're right. Especially because, you know, in a workplace, you have lots of levels, not just of sort of authority, but expertise to, to lean on as well. Well, and it's also I think expertise is a good way to talk about this. Sometimes we get messages even from listeners where I think. I almost wish that we had like management to just check ourselves. Are we thinking about this the right way? What are we missing? Should we take this feedback seriously? Or should we know that we're producing something for lots and lots of people who have lots and lots of different stakes in our conversations that fluctuate constantly and we can't make all those people happy? You know, sometimes just that aspect of having a good boss someone who can kind of be distanced enough from your work to give you valuable input, I miss a little bit. I agree. I think the other hard part of being your own boss is it's not just that you can't pass things off, but that you can't, it's just the pressure of everything. It's the pressure of having the mission, being the strategy, staying focused, managing everything below you. Like it is, it's a, it's a lot of pressure for sure. It's a lot of pressure. I think it's worth all of that pressure. I think that the decision about how and when to expand your team and how to work with that team is a huge part of what's awesome about being your own boss and also really challenging. But I wouldn't trade any of it. When I look at the pros and cons, the pros so outweigh the cons for my personality type, for sure, and this stage of my life that I'm very happy. And I think it's funny that you and I are so different in a lot of ways, personality wise and in our work habits. And we still both reach that conclusion. Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. The weather is turning colder, but let's just get personal for a minute. For me, that does not mean that I stop sweating. It stinks, but it's true. Yeah, it's true for me too. And it's important to me to have a really reliable deodorant, especially for very long days. And we have found that in Hug Me. How does it work? Hug Me deodorant by Bloom, B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria. And as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria. So BO doesn't exist. It lasts for 24 hours and doesn't have to be reapplied throughout the day. Mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, which get absorbed into our bloodstream and has been linked to cancer. Hug Me deodorant is safe and sustainable. It's rated the best deodorant ever by the New York Post. 
Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling fresh and super huggable. Right now, our listeners get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text NUANCED. N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 797979. This is a special offer you can't get anywhere else, and you support our show when you support our sponsors. So text NUANCED to 797979 to get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant. If you don't love it and feel amazing when you wear it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Text N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 797979. So what makes a good boss? I kind of feel like this, and I hope this isn't defeatist. I feel like management skills are almost genetic. How do you feel about that? Oh, I actually think that you can learn a lot of good skills about management and leadership. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better because sometimes I'm like, man, you're just stuck. Either you're good at understanding people and managing them or you're not. That's good, though. Okay, so so if there are, what do you think are the like, learn the like top three learnable skills to being a good boss. Thing number one is to recognize that probably you need to do less instead of doing more to be a good boss. Mm -hmm. I think that so many people, especially people who have worked hard and gotten promoted into positions where their supervisors feel like they need to be doing, doing, doing. And mostly what you need to be doing is trusting, trusting your people that they want to do a good job, that they know how to do a good job that they will come to you and they need you instead of hovering over them, making up things for them to do. You know, I think a lot of bad management happens when someone is actually doing too much. And I feel like people who need to hear that often are doing that too much with really great intentions. They just need they just need some pressure relieved, like trust your people. And when you trust your people, it's amazing what they'll do for you. So I guess that would be my second thing. I don't think that you can bring people too close to you, especially like if you work with an assistant or a team of people under you. I think that the more you include them in conversations about what we're doing and who we're doing it for and why we're doing it and how all of that aligns with our mission, the more you tell them what's going on and invite them to be part of that conversation and to generate ideas, no matter what position they hold on the org chart or what their title is, the better work they'll do for you. And then I think the third thing is just to care about people as whole people. Not that you want to get so involved in someone's personal life that you have this kind of weird paternalistic thing going on. That's never good. But I don't think that we should be afraid of having genuine friendships because that is the best way to trust somebody, work together, have open communication, and really pull out the best in people. So those would be my top three just off the top of my head. I love that. I mean, I think that's what I see with the bosses I really connected with is that I felt like they were interested and invested in me as a person and not just as an employee. And that trust and that sort of vision as to what I could be really helped me to bloom in it. When I felt trusted, I felt like I could, like I wanted to please them. I wanted to fulfill this vision they had of me. Yeah. And you have to really believe that someone cares about you as a person to get there. And I think another thing that bosses like tend to tell themselves is my whole mission here is to have this person be a great team member and retain them forever. And really good bosses, I think, just want your people to grow, whether that's where they are today or somewhere else. 
Mm. Which is hard because retention is important. But also knowing when someone has really kind of reached the fulfillment of what they can do in a particular space, a really good boss will say to that person, you know, what's next for you and how can I help you get there? I don't have enough experience to offer any really good tips on what makes a good boss, except for everything you just said. I mean, you're the human resources expert on the show that that's for dang sure. Well, tell me. What personality traits you think are because you you started off by saying, I think this is genetic. Like what things about that seem genetic to you? Well, like my husband is a really good manager of people. And I think that he I think part of it is it's not just that he trusts them, but he exudes and performs with such competence and ability that they trust him. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it doesn't matter how much that person seems to trust you or invest in you if you feel like they don't know what the heck they're doing, you know? And I think that's true of bosses I've had. Like they were just highly capable people with finely tuned skills that, that were apparent immediately. Um, and so you felt like, oh, well, they're the boss for a reason. They know what they're doing. And I think when I look back that it wasn't just how, what they saw in me, but it's what I saw in them as well, that I saw that they were highly skilled and capable. I think that's, really important because let's be real some people at the top are not that capable yeah and I think that just for women especially knowing that being highly skilled and capable doesn't mean I can do every single person's job better than they can it's Mm -hmm. just in what you're there to do being really clear about what what you are there to be highly skilled and capable at and what the people around you are there to be highly skilled and capable at is important well and I think you know I had bosses that I felt comfortable sort of articulating my needs. Like there were a couple of times when I I was asked to do things that I said, that's not part of my job and I'm not going to do it and even push back against my bosses. But I think it was a testament to them that I felt comfortable doing that, you know, that I felt comfortable saying, no, I don't think this is the right fit for me, or I don't think this is part of my job description or whatever. I think that not just seeing them as capable, but seeing them as like, trustworthy of that pushback is key too. Yeah, I think the more you can establish that there's nothing you can tell me as a boss that is going to be received with anything other than an open mind is really important. Whether that's, I don't think this fits in my job or this person is making my work life miserable or I'm struggling with this or I don't think you're paying me enough. You know, whatever it is, Something that I tell people a lot when I like do workshops and stuff on this subject is the first thing you say is thank you for telling me whatever you've heard. You buy yourself some time to compose yourself and you affirm that person's feelings by saying thank you for telling me. Now, you can totally disagree with what they've just said after that, but you start and end with I'm so glad that you brought this to my attention. I like that. That's really good. That's good advice, life advice in all difficult conversations. I think so, too. And I do think that's part of why being a good leader can be learned and kind of written on just about any personality, because most of it is just like the same kind of skills you need to have good relationships with other people. Well, that seems like a good place to end National Bosses Day. Feel free to get on social media and tell us about your favorite bosses. We'd love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And we will be back in your ears on Friday over at Paint Soup Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener-supported. Go to patreon.com slash thenuancelife. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuanced Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuanced Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.